This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale, Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to two young women with a passion for helping others. Bethany Sirio is the attorney for the Legal Hand Collins Center, and Lynn's Hall is the center's manager. Any Schenectady or Albany County resident can call 518-400-5544 for help with public benefits, domestic violence, housing and employment law, family and elder law, and more. Our mission is to inform and empower visitors, says Hall of the Free Service. Um, so basically, the Legal Hand Collins Center serving Schenectady and Albany counties operated by the Center for Community Justice um, is a program um, with trained community volunteers who, along with the guidance of a center manager, myself and our center attorney, Bethany Serio, assist anyone who contacts us by providing locally informed legal information, resources and referrals. Um, and we're entirely virtual. Our assistance is always free. It's available to absolutely everyone, and we never require an appointment. Our visitors can contact us by phone, text message, email, or through a live chat module on our website. And we're open Monday through Saturday with Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday hours from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., 11 to 7 p.m. on Tuesdays, 11 to 2 p.m. on Fridays, and 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Saturdays. Um, and so what we provide assistance on is really a wide range of categories. Um, we offer assistance with public benefits, domestic violence, housing and employment law, family and elder law, and other categories too. Um, the only thing that we don't assist on is divorce or criminal issues. Um, and we don't provide legal advice or representation. Um, rather, our mission is to inform and empower our visitors by providing them with all of the information that they need and showing them all of the resources that they have at their disposal so they can be sure that they know their rights and they can make the right decision for their individual situation. That is a tall order. And thank you for summarizing the sure. essentials so well. What I'd like you just to go over so that if people are listening and, and think, oh, I'd like to get in touch, could you just say slowly the phone number and the website so that those are easy for people to access? Absolutely. Um, so our phone number is 518-400-5544. Um, and let me actually go look up the actual website here. Because <laughs> I don't go to it very often. But just the central words would probably bring it up. Does yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the main website will be uh, legalhand.org. And then if you want to reach our uh, particular center, it would be legalhand.org slash Schenectady dash Albany. Okay. And I'm hoping we're going to attract two different kinds of 
groups of listeners, one being people that might be interested in using this service, and the other being people that might be interested in volunteering to staff this service. So let's just start with people who have used the service in this first year. I don't know if you have any numbers, but just kind of a ballpark idea of the kinds of calls that you've fielded and the kind of help, maybe with a few specific examples that... Um, have come your way so people can get an idea. Sure. Do you want to take that one, Bethany? Um, yeah. Um, I'll go right into the types of calls we, we get, maybe do a few examples. Um, Lynn's while I'm doing this, if you want to look at like the how many calls we've. Yeah, I've got that. <laughs> have, have that already. Um, so, you know, it like, I, like we said, it's really any civil legal issue. Um, and then really, you know, we're surprised every day with some of the questions people call with and, and the answers we're trying to find for people. Um, I'll just come up with one from the the other day. So there is there was a visitor who called who had information about a law that was passed within the past two years, and it essentially um, took people who licenses had been suspended due to like unpaid traffic tickets and essentially like reinstated them. And I, I believe there was some type of like payment plan for those unpaid fines. So um, it was like a program to get people's, you know, licenses back in their hands, you know, even though they couldn't pay. So this person um, who had a suspended license wanted to know how to use this program to get their license back. Um, so doing you know, some relevant question asking, um, we found out that this person had lost their license, even though it was due to a traffic accident that resulted in, um, in, you know, fines and whatnot. It also resulted in a, um, civil suit from the person who owns the car's insurance going after him and they got a judgment against him. And then because he didn't pay the judgment, um, they were able to get his license suspended through another New York state law. So what we were able to do is explain to this person who, you know, had pieces of the law and wasn't sure what exactly applied. We were able to like to lay out what law applied to them and what they needed to do to get their license no longer suspended. Um, and it wasn't the original law that they thought was going to help them. So it's a lot of people calling in with issues like that. There's a lot of information that you can find on Google and they found this law through, through Google. Um, and it's really hard to parse out what is relevant to your specific situation. So we're essentially here to like help people figure out what's relevant and what their options and what their rights are. So then they can make these decisions to know, you know, what's the next step for them. Um, so yeah. was that man able to start the process of getting his license back? I, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, it's people calling in and sharing the information they would like. Um, he hasn't called back to update us, but he has the information in hand. So, so hopefully, you know, he at the very least knows what the next step is, um, which would be to get that, you know, judgment underway with payments and then hopefully get the suspension lifted. Because I think that's a common problem. There's great advantages to the age of the Internet. 
but the information can be so general or so unspecific that it actually trips people up rather than helping them sometimes. So just to have a lawyer who can sort through that. Um, and maybe we'll take a little side trip here. I want to hear more along the lines we were on, but just tell us a little about yourself, Bethany, as a lawyer. How did you become one and why? And what drew you to this particular kind of work? Okay, so um, I guess we'll go back some years here. So I started my like professional career um, out of college doing domestic violence advocacy. I um, ran a domestic violence transitional housing shelter um, for about, I think, like five years um, and just a general like domestic violence program, um, doing a lot of the outreach and advocacy um, and direct services to those survivors. And then from there, I really wanted to. But wait, um, I, I'm stopping you. <laughs> That's I'm, a I'm lot for a very, a very young woman to take on right out of college dealing with domestic violence is how what drew you to that um i i had a my my uh, major was psychology with a minor in women's studies i i, I kind of just got drawn to that and i knew i wanted to work in like a non-profit profit sector providing um direct services uh specifically to you know pe people who needed help and um just in general the population who is affected by you know domestic violence also tends to have tons of intersections of you know poverty and race and many things working against them so i really wanted to use what i had to help um these individuals and um it did get to a point where i felt like i wanted to help more which is when i decided to go to law school um, get my degree, become an attorney. And then ever since then, I've, I've, I've worked only in, um, you know, uh, public nonprofit, uh, doing, doing, pro, you know, pro bono legal services for individuals first through a mental health association in Buffalo, and then with, um, legal aid in Albany, where I currently have my role as the legal hand attorney, <laughs> for the center attorney position. So I've always been very um, into access to justice. And I would see that with my um, clients I had as a domestic violence advocate and the difference it would mean to have one information and two, to have an attorney who knew what they were doing in the courtroom to help you. So I wanted, you know, even though my role right now isn't in the courtroom, it very much has been for most of my career. And, you know, that's what I've wanted to be is like that person who is like listening and doing their job and making a difference in the courtroom for people because it's very important. So it is important, but it must take a toll on you personally, does it? I mean, you're dealing right. with well, right now. I'm do, right now I'm doing uh, this this role with legal hand. Yeah. And it's definitely a break from the um, more, I guess, tumultuous nature of domestic violence um, advocacy in the court courtroom. And it's and it's nice because I'm still doing the work that's important to me, which is, you know, access to justice, but in, you know, a slightly different way. Well, now that I've grilled Bethany, I'm gonna, <laughs> before we go back on the path, which we have to return to, I just want to hear a little about you, Linz, and how you came to this position and sort of your background and way into this. 
I can't hear you. Sorry. Uh, So I've had quite a variety of jobs over the years, um, including practicing as a massage therapist for 10 years, um, which I really loved because of the way that it allowed me to connect with people one on one um, and to have a meaningful impact on the way they felt both physically and emotionally. Um, And I've also just been through a lot personally in the last few years. me and my wife experienced a really devastating house fire that really opened my eyes to um, how quickly people's lives can change in a single day and how like crucial community support is. Um, And so I really love this work because it kind of taps into both things. I love seeing the impact that our volunteers and myself and Bethany can make with a single conversation, um, providing people with like information and resources, but also the sense of community that comes from a warm and welcoming interaction with a stranger, um, as well as the confidence to solve their own problems. Wow, you packed a lot into that answer. <laughs> you and your wife lost your house to fire? It was it was in an apartment building, yeah, oh. uh, in March 2021. But um, we had a lot of support from the community. Um, and like I said, it just kind of, when you experience something like that, it makes you realize that people's lives can change overnight through circumstances completely out of their control. Yes, so. but many people realizing that would curl up in a little... <laughs> not want to go out again and instead you changed it into this kind of lesson to use to help others in a difficult situation that's remarkable thank you so much so tell me about this idea of community support because you're part of this larger justice center in Schenectady is that right does that feed into the work that you do with a legal hand uh, yeah, so as you know, our director, Cheryl Valley, um, with the Center for Community Justice, she is amazing. Um, she does so much work for this program, but she's also juggling a lot of other programs there, too. Um, we have an amazing reentry program at the Center for Community Justice, as well as um, CASA. Um, as well. Um, and yeah, Cheryl, Cheryl does, all, does a lot of good work. Um, and it all kind of, she, she weaves legal hand into all of that as well. Um, and actually, the Center for Community Justice is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year, which is a huge accomplishment, too. Oh, that is. But as you say, she weaves things in, but I'm wondering if the work from these other programs somehow weave in to what Legal Hand is doing? In other words, are there clients that cross over that are, you know, part of one thing and and then turn to you for help? Yes. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. We have a lot of referrals, a lot of folks that come to the CCJ for one issue, have a related issue, and then they're then referred to Legal Hand. Um, We're able to refer some folks to the CCJ resources. So it works really well. So (laughs) I got Bethany way off track. You gave one great example, and I loved it because even though it was a specific example, I would imagine it would have sort of universal applications, people going online, seeing something they think is relevant. Then when you actually get down to the nitty-gritty, there are things that are very different and specific. But can you give us another example of some of the sorts of, of... problems you help people get information on? Um, yeah, it, <laughs> um, I'm just trying to like wrap, you know, it's, it, you know, I do them like every day. So it's like, yeah. like how to sort them out. Yes. It, it just becomes like one big glob of information. Right, so I'm trying to right. pull out like one, one, one thing I can say while you think, Bethany, um, <laughs> I'll give you a chance to ponder. 
Um, so one thing I wanted to note is that we, this year, so since you last talked with Cheryl in January of 2022, we've reached more than 5,500 people and we've provided direct one-on-one -on -one services to more than 700 people, which works out to an average of about 60 people per month. Um, so that's been really exciting. And our visitors are pretty evenly split between Schenectady and Albany counties. Um, and one of the things that we're most proud of uh, is that 40% of our visitors came to us recommended by other community organization, which tells us that, um, first of all, these other community organizations we've built relationships with, they trust us enough to send people to us. Um, and uh, actually 14% of our visitors come to us after having been referred by friends or family who used Legal Hand themselves. Um, so we're really proud of those figures and we hope that they reflect on the kind of warm and welcoming service that we train our volunteers to provide um, and just the usefulness of the service overall. And now, if Bethany's had time to think, we'll get one more example <laughs> before we start talking about the volunteers. What, what, did, you, um, what did you pull from that glob? <laughs> so, um, one that just came to mind was someone who whose husband had had passed away and he had a car he had a license she did not have a license um the issue was she couldn't register her in her name without a license um and she also couldn't park it on the street without having it registered and she didn't have a place to park it so she needed to get her license to get it registered in the meantime she was like where do i put this car she had a neighbor who said hey if you title it to me i can register it in my name and i can then park it you can park it on the street and, and and then you won't have to worry about where you're putting the car in the meantime and so she called about making a contract and you know we can send, you know, what are the pieces of a contract? And, you know, maybe she can try to make a contract. But what she was missing is she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to give title to someone just to have it registered in someone else's name. She can give the DMV permission to register it in someone's name, even though she's the title holder. And then there won't be, you know, this huge issue that could potentially arise with two people claiming ownership because she transferred title to somebody in the contract she may have made herself may or may not be enforceable. So, so like that's a piece of information that was entirely crucial to her that made a situation so much easier. And all she had to know was you just have to give the DMV permission to, to register it in someone else's name. And then you can park it on the street um, without transferring title and possibly losing ownership. So um, information like that. <laughs> Yeah, you must feel like a fairy godmother sometimes, you know, just waving your wand of information and suddenly people have... Have, have, have the information yeah. and, and then they can do what they'd like with it. Yeah, it's perfect. So let's hear about the volunteers and the numbers were so valuable that you shared, Linz, on the clients. If we could also hear about the numbers of volunteers and what the training consists of, what kind of person you're looking for, how, if they're interested, would they go about finding out more or how to, how to sign up? 
Sure. Um, so over the course of 2022, we have trained nearly 30 volunteers, um, some of them who've actually stayed with us past their initial six month commitment. Um, our call center volunteers cannot be lawyers. They have to live, work or go to school in Schenectady or Albany County. Um, they have to be at least 18 years old and they should be relatively comfortable working with technology such as like Google Suite, that kind of thing. Although we do training on the technology as well. Um, so our volunteers typically come from comprehensive community service backgrounds and um, the volunteers we have right now have a really uh, valuable range of skill sets. Um, we have students, we have former teachers, we have policy analysts, mediators and caseworkers. Um, so we typically hold a three to four volunteer recruitment periods throughout the year um, and our prospective volunteers attend a virtual volunteer information session where we discuss the basics of the legal hand call-in center, what we do here, and then we provide them with an application. Um, their acceptance letter contains a link to our volunteer orientation session, and that's where we go more in-depth about the training, what the day-to-day -day functions are, and anything else that they might have some questions about. Um, and then with regard to your question about the training, um, we provide them with the links to our training module, which spans a variety of the categories that we serve on, which I mentioned, housing, family law, public benefits, um, and they have three weeks to complete this virtual self-paced training, um, which at any point, if they need one-on-one -on -one support from myself or Bethany, they can reach out. Um, and then we'll begin a series of five virtual simulations over the course of two weeks, um, led by myself and Bethany to help prepare volunteers for their first shift. Um, and we also provide all of our volunteers with a legal hand backpack that contains a laptop, a headset, a mouse, everything they need so that they can volunteer from the comfort of their home. Wow, there's so many things I want to ask about there. Um, <laughs> so you said they can't be a lawyer. Why is that? Uh, because we're not providing legal advice. We're not providing legal advice or representation um, because that could, that could, if we're providing legal advice, then we have to think about like conflicts. Um, and that's not something we don't do conflict checking. Um, so basically we're just looking for community volunteers. Um, this program is at its heart all about neighbors helping neighbors. Um, so we're really just looking for people that have a desire to help, um, that are resourceful enough to, uh, you Know, get through the training and um, just want to help people. Yeah. And also, um, it's important to think about like when you get these people from the community um, who don't have, you know, formal legal training, but you recognize that there is a place for them to like have legal information and, and, and know things about the law just as members of the community. So what we hope to do too by having these volunteers is not just for them to serve us in their volunteer capacity, but to also take the information um, that we have given them and bring it back to their own friend and family circles. So that's super important. And that's not really something, you know, when you're, when you have attorneys, you already have people who are, who are trained and whatnot in these things, whereas we want to take community members and put that power in their own hands to bring to their own community. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's one of the quotes that I remember hearing early on about Legal Hand that made me so excited to work here was that the whole idea is that um, we are trying to increase the, the reach that non-lawyers can have to increase access to justice, basically. Um, we, want, we want to have ordinary people be able to help other people, um, even if they're not lawyers, so... 
I love that idea. It's like you're planting seeds <laughs> and they're going to grow because these people each have their own circle of, of friends and family and it'll spread that way. So there's, it sounds like there's no typical volunteer. They're different genders, they're different races, they're different ages. Is that all true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have quite a range of volunteers. And so then when a client calls in, do you try to match them up in certain ways, or how does that work? No, the volunteers uh, will be assigned a shift based on their availability and preference. Um, and so volunteers, that just they take whatever calls come in that day. Um, and one thing that I want to note is, as a volunteer, you're never answering questions on your own. Um, so Bethany and I will meet with a volunteer at the beginning of their shift, check in on them, see how they're doing, review what might what calls might already be in the queue. Um, and then the volunteer will make a call um, and Bethany and I will be listening in and we're providing them with real time assistance on helping them to um, like ask the right questions, just basically providing them general guidance and support as they have this conversation in real time. And so is the conversation typically like our conversation now through a computer where you see each other or is it typically through a phone? How, how does that So the volunteer, um, for instance, on a phone call, the volunteer is taking the phone call, um, but they're also looking at their screen. And so Bethany and I are sending the messages through chat. So they can read what we're sending. Um, we can send them resources so that they can um, explain the resources to the visitor. Um, and, you know, with our newer volunteers, we're really hands-on, making sure they feel supported. With some of our longer-time volunteers, we're not doing much at all. We're just listening to make sure that they feel comfortable um, and letting them uh, assist the visitor on their own. So you mentioned at the very start, this is entirely virtual. And I know with the pandemic, so many people got used to <laughs> that kind of interaction with people. I can see the advantages and maybe you could go over some of them. But are there drawbacks that, you, you know, you never do the volunteers ever feel like uh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it without having been in the same room for their training or to know the other volunteers in a person-to-person -person way. Are there drawbacks to that? I mean, I would say that there's always, you know, there, there's always something you get from being in the same room as other people. But we try to kind of um, help with that. We do monthly volunteer meetings with some icebreaker exercises. Um, a lot of times on, on slower shifts, the, we're talking with the volunteers, getting to know them better. Um, so it's not all just like, you know, always helping visitors. There's there's some downtime in which we get to know them. And that human element is a little more in the forefront, too. We also do a lot of outreach um, in the community. And a lot of times our volunteers like to take part in tabling with us. So we do get some like one on one time with them and in person time, which is great. Thanks for reminding me about that, Bethany. It has been so long since it was warm enough to be out in the world that I completely forgot about it. <laughs> so this tabling is it, you know, you set up a table at various events to kind of just let people know who you are and what you're doing. So yeah. tell us some of the many advantages, because I'm sure they far outweigh the disadvantages of having this all virtual training, consultation, all of it, just... Well, um, Okay, I was going to say, well, it makes it entirely accessible to everyone. So obviously, like, 
we help everyone who calls us, but also anyone who wants to volunteer with us, they can do it. All they need is an internet connection um, because we provide the the laptop, the headphones, um, everything they need to be a volunteer. And they don't have to worry about transportation to get somewhere. Um, they don't have to worry about the travel time. You know, there's so many things that can be a barrier to people just being able to give their time, but being able to do it from their own home or wherever they are comfortable just really breaks down a barrier for people to be able to volunteer more easily, which absolutely makes people very interested. <laughs> yeah, I would think it would. And as far as hours that they work, are they able to choose certain shifts that work for them? How does the scheduling work? Um, I'm just thinking we might have people listening and thinking, oh, I'm interested in that. But just how, how does the scheduling work? Sure. So we're aiming right now to have two volunteers on for each shift. Um, so when we, when we get volunteer applications in, we just kind of take a look at people's availability we try to place them with their with their primary um, shift that they'd like to have um, but we usually we have one evening shift on Tuesdays from 5 p.m to 7 p.m and we have one weekend shift on Saturday from 9 a.m to 12 p.m um, and the rest are mornings and afternoons so you can parse people in where it works yes. for them Absolutely. So I've been keeping an eye on the clock, and I had this whole list of questions I didn't get to, but we're only a few minutes left. Do either of you have closing thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, so if I could, I have a volunteer quote from one of our volunteers that has been with us since the very beginning. Um, Haley G. She's amazing. Bethany and I love her so much. <laughs> um, so her quote is, it has been truly a great experience being able to play a positive role in someone's day by informing them about their options and rights on their issues. I've grown immensely since beginning training and answering calls. Before this, I would have been scared to talk to people over the phone, especially people I don't know. I now feel comfortable calling anyone. Also, I've taken some of the tidbits that I've learned through the calls back to people in my life if they have similar questions. Um, I just feel like that quote really exemplifies like what we're trying to do. It's not just about helping the community, although that's a part of it, but the volunteer development angle is also really important to us that, um, th that they feel the work is meaningful and that it's helping them to go out and increase access to justice within their own family and friends, too. And that she said, personally, I've grown immensely. That's just a great thing about volunteerism, <laughs> that you benefit from it as well as the people you're helping. I love that. Do you have any closing thoughts, Bethany? You know, if since, since Lynn's took the volunteer piece, I would just say for people interested in giving us a call, you know, we serve Schenectady in Albany counties, um, 518. 400-5544. Um, please give us a call if you have, you know, any legal issue that's really been bothering you. We're here. There's absolutely no barriers to us trying to help you the best we can. So... Yeah, and for those who might be interested in volunteering, you can reach out to me uh, via email at schenectadyalbany at legalhand.org. 